Welcome back, Caleb. Thank you, Mike. Uh, yeah, I was uh, out for some stomach uh, virus or whatever, but uh, I'm back and uh, feeling better. So excited to record. Yeah, those, those things will wipe you out. For sure. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am drinking a bijou. Mm. Uh, bijou, being French for jewel, uh, is a, uh, has three. It's a gin, uh, sweet vermouth, and uh, green chartreuse. Uh, and then some orange bitters. Uh, it's out of the PDT book. It's really quite delightful, very herbal, um, kind of anything plus chartreuse equals chartreuse, really. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a, a nice little twist. How about you? I am having uh, a warm beverage, a hot toddy. So uh, uh, oh, lemon yes. juice, honey, and bourbon. Uh, appropriate for your convalescing. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't want to push it too hard, you know, with a super strong drink. So this only has one ounce of uh, bourbon. So pretty, Uh-oh. pretty light. Yeah, practically a Shirley Temple. Pretty, I wouldn't recommend giving to children yet, but uh, pretty close. <laughs> Kids are soft these days. For Rub sure. some rum on their gums and, you know, help them with some teething. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's what my parents used to do. So I don't know if that's acceptable anymore, but hey. Hey, we survived. We did. So uh, tonight I thought, um, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we've talked about the Model 3 in earnest and a fair amount of updates have come out, um, both that will affect Model 3 directly and then things that are just general Tesla updates that will be related to Model 3. So oh, people are still talking about the Model 3. I thought it was just the that sort of event. And then people are just going to wait calmly and quietly until it arrives. No, no, that is no? not happening. No, oh, we interesting. Are, uh, there is still I think there's more activity than ever actually happening on all the forums and and, uh, all over the place and more and more photos being snapped and uh, as more are coming off the line. So, uh, yeah, I thought we could go over some of those details. So to begin with, uh, the first thing I wanted to cover is there are now Model 3 accessories. You can go onto the model, uh, the Tesla shop and purchase. So if you are dying to get some Model 3 accessories, you can you can go and buy some. <laughs> Does that mean like the polo shirt with the embroidered logo or something or are these like legit accessories these are legit for the vehicle so uh the first one that they added was a a glass cover um so basically it is a (laughs) a lightweight mesh fabric with a collapsible rigid frame for the model 3 glass roof um this reminds me of uh when one of the iphones was shipping one of our friends ordered uh i don't remember who it was but they ordered the iphone in the case <laughs> and the case arrived like two weeks All before right. the iphone did i think it was i think it was our friend mike yeah uh and and yeah he had the stupid case that, that that only fit the phone that hadn't arrived yet so kind of reminds me of that like you're ordering things that will only fit the car that has not arrived yeah, so this will be for that forward-facing, uh, sorry, the, the front-most um, glass, uh, and it's $75, and it is a half the price of the Model S glass roof uh, shade, and so it'll cut down on the thermal load. So, <laughs> Do you And it comes with a zippered like, storage pouch. You can buy it and like put a couple of kitchen table chairs next to each other as though you're sitting in, the, in a fake car and put it above your head and pretend you're in a Model 3? Yeah, like make it as a little tent. Um, so. Maybe hold, it, hold an iPad with a driving sim on it, and, and you can really pretend that you're, you're in your Model 3. Well, one thing is you can buy it and have a really good idea of how big the glass roof is going to be above your head as a driver and passenger and see if it's worth it for there you, you go. to pay yeah. for that upgrade. 
Uh, or you could just buy it and you know use it at the beach, use it as a, to cut down on the, on the UV rays that are coming into you uh, when you're when you're reclining at the beach this summer. Yep, yep, lots of different uses. So that is now available and in stock uh, for seventy five dollars. The I feel like we went a little QVC right there. <laughs> hey, hey, I mean we don't get. Do a, we get a cut on these? I don't think we get a kickback on these, but um, we know we're practicing. So <laughs> All right. the other one that I think is a little bit more fun because there's some interesting photos uh, are some car covers. Uh, so. <laughs> There, I, I've got some questions about these. So there, there is a interior uh, car cover as well as an exterior car cover. And from the uh, quite impassioned description, a stretch satin fits your Tesla like a glove, hugging its contours and protecting the paint finish from dings, scratches, and dust that are imminent with indoor storage. Question. And, hold Question. on. It has a convenient charge port opening, which allows for connection to an outlet, and a ventilated mesh allowing airflow while charging. Okay, yeah, like a ding. I'm not sure how you define ding, but isn't a ding like a dent, like a small dent? Well, I mean, a ding has to be different than a dent. Otherwise, why would you say dings and dents? I think but it, a ding is different than a scratch because it says ding, scratches, and dust. Yeah, so I think like a I, ding seems to imply some sort of third dimension, right? Like it's 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 kind of like a scratch and a dent. Yeah, I think a, I think a ding would be a little bit past a scratch. But not so I'm, a dent. what I'm guessing is no matter how satiny it is, like how is that going to protect you from some sort of impact on the car? Yeah, I think this would only <laughs> it would have to be very subtle, like uh, maybe someone dropping like a little uh, like a book on the cover or maybe someone <laughs> you're parking it in, the, in your library. Yeah, like, a, you know, a book falls down, maybe like someone <laughs> drops a tool like the uh, handle of a tool. But no, that's still going to dent. I don't know. It might not dent. It might it still be diffused. No, mean, no, no. It's still, it's still going to provide... I mean, people put th- th- like thin film protection on their cars to prevent scratches and little Scratches, things. yeah, sure. But, but, but even if you have like your car door open and it kind of just grazes the side of it, 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 won't, it won't leave a dent on, on it now because it's just going to be more friction. I don't, I don't know, I, dude. This is ridiculous. And I mean, just the idea of having an indoor and outdoor cover is completely insane. Like, I mean, I don't understand why you would want an indoor cover to begin with. That seems a little bit weird. I thought I kind of thought it was nice. Why wouldn't you just buy an outdoor cover and use it indoors or outdoors? Well, the outdoor point. Well, it's heavier. So? And more difficult to put on. I mean, this. How so? Because this one's stretchy and a lot lighter. So the outdoor cover oh. is going to be a lot heavier. So with one person, it's going to be a little bit harder to, to wrangle. God. Spit out the Kool-Aid, sir. This is ridiculous. No, no, no. This is not a Tesla thing. This is just a, a car, car, well, it's, car it's thing. Crazy car person Kool-Aid. Yeah. But having, if, you have an, if you have a garage, the strange thing to me about the indoor cover is you'd not be using that car very much. It, like, I, I don't, I'd be curious if anyone uses an indoor cover day in and day out on their daily driver that's that's the question to me because i I understand it on a you know a classic car that you drive maybe once a month or something and you and you you wash it and you don't want to get dusty but on a daily driver i'm not sure what the point is but yeah this is this is weird this feels i mean i can see maybe some company offering this later in the aftermarket for the very small percentage of people who are insanely ocd about dust and scratches on their car but it seems like a weird official branded product. I, I don't know. Anyways, I'm, I'm not a car person, so I don't, I, I don't share these uh, proclivities, but it's weird. I don't know. It, look, it looks kind of, it it's, it's very, if you look at the photos on their site, uh, the, the indoor one definitely, 
it 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 hugs it, and so you see the corners bolted. I'm just it's, saying it looks cool. It I'm just saying it looks cool. And actually, the only time you would want it to look cool is if it's outside. If it's inside, who cares? Yeah, the in. The I'm in, assuming you don't have like some sort of like airplane hangar twenty car garage to park a Model Three. No, that's the, that's my bigger question about this. Is it seems to elevate it to like classic car level, and I don't think they're going to sell many of these. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah. the outdoor one. Do you think maybe they, do you think they've actually made these or is it like some sort of just in time like on demand construction? I think they've made them and my bet is that they well we were pretty sure they were using them or some variation of them when they were doing testing to keep them in like hidden and then I think they probably do use them at the service centers and things uh to keep them from getting dusty if they're transporting them like in a, in a tr- in a in a truck but not not the like official <laughs> not like someone else's car not when it's like your car very strange and also they're 300 dollars for the indoor 350 for the outdoor and that's 50 dollars less than the model s covers so you know it's a bargain compared to the model s one <laughs> well it's less fabric so it is <laughs> but yeah you're you know you know small and medium shirts usually are the same price so i just don't understand why you would have an indoor and an outdoor version like it doesn't make any sense it does if you have a garage <laughs> you're gonna want the indoor one but why? Because if you got the outdoor one, then you could use it indoors and outdoors. But it's heavier. If you know it's always going to be indoors, <laughs> why would you want a heavier? I think you got to think you're at the level that you're going to be putting a car cover on your car in your garage. You're but gonna, now you're, you're arguing. You're going to want the really nice one. You want the best you can get. You're talking lightweight. Now you're talking about wrapping up your daily driver again. So you're, you're kind of arguing against yourself. I don't think people who have a daily driver are going to be putting this car cover on it. Uh, so then indoors. what do you care if it's a little bit heavier if you only do it once every six months? All right. It's not necessary. It. it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, let's move on. This is All right, all right. Maybe maybe uh maybe the listeners can can weigh in and, and educate me as to uh the ways in which this is not insane. On my street, just before we move on, there is a I think it's a <laughs> Honda two thousand, S two thousand that's parked on the street all the time and it has an outdoor car cover on it, parked here on the street in Palo Alto. So I've seen, you've seen cars with car covers on them on the street. So yeah, they literally, but when they I, hardly when ever lived, move. So when I lived in Palo Alto, there was literally an Aston Martin and a Ferrari that, that had to street park and they both had covers on them. I think that also <laughs> that was very Palo Alto. Yeah. It also keeps people from gawking. Um, well, not really. Cause the Ferrari had a giant horse on the, on the hood <laughs> part. So it, was, it was a, it was an official Ferrari car cover. Oh, speak, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Speaking of Ferraris, uh, yesterday I went down to the Monterey auto week, uh, oh, yeah, show, tell us about that. and I saw the lucid air, which we had an episode on in person. And I sat inside of it, both in the rear seat and the front seat. Uh, so is that the one that has like the sort of business class airline rear seats? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so what the, was the, that was, it has that weird reclining seat with the compartment behind it like did you mm-hmm. get a, a chance to look at that what was oh that yeah like? i was sitting right next to it so they put me in the seat uh that was in the normal position it would it would recline but they they weren't doing the recline and then mm-hmm. the seat next to me i took some photos and posted them of it in the recline position and i gotta say it was as nice as i was as the photos make it look like it it was great and does it does it seem like the kind of car where like that's where the owner of the car will be sitting and there will be uh, their valet, uh, driving, <laughs> driving. Up I think front. so. I mean, I, my, I was with my girlfriend and she was like, if we ever got a car like this, I would be in the back seat. <laughs> well, then you would be up front. I would yeah. be driving and she would be in the back seat. She, she wanted to stay in the, she, she wanted the rear seat and, uh, it was very nicely done. The interior was incredible. Uh, I think Tesla definitely has a lot they could learn from this. The interior was in, just super, super nice, great materials. Uh, 
sort of a much more modern luxury look, uh, as you see in the photos. But and then the, but the front was pretty overwhelming with screens. And, you know, this is the one with three screens in front of you and then the tablet uh, down at your waist that slides up and down into the console. Oh, right. They have like the sort of triptych binnacle. Yeah, exactly. Right? The triptych thing. Um, but it was very fast, very responsive, looked good. All It was all on. It was working. The front trunk is huge. It can hold an entire uh, golf club bag. So really big front trunk. And uh, yeah, it sounds like things are going relatively well. They said they were very close to finishing up the funding. Can you remind us again, like what was the price range? It's going to start, it's going to start around 55,000 with the incentives. Yeah. And then this one with the crazy seat, the executive seating is around uh, a little north of a hundred thousand dollars. So it's going to be comparable with the model S. Yeah, but not like getting into. Uh, it's not. At it's it, not in the two hundred. That it's not in the Maybach level. So it, right, it's, it kind of looked like a Bentley kind of thing, like like Johnny Ives Bentley with the 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 fold down uh, like laptop airplane yeah. things on the seats and stuff. It should yeah. be more cost effective than that. So and and okay. the, the the glass was incredible. It had sort of the the Model X windshield, big big sweeping front glass, and then huge glass behind you as well. So it looks like they have two pieces of glass. So really pushing the boundaries on that as well. So um, but did you get a sense as to, I mean, if they're going to have uh, low volume, if they're going to have like really, really high end materials and components, how are they going to hit such a low price point? Are they, is this I think like they're going to wait a while for that base model Is this going to be a VC out? model and they're just going to do like a loss leader to, to sell these? Or No, I think, I think it will be, I think they could make it profitably. I think the problem is just that uh, they're going to start probably 10 or 20,000 model uh, additions a year and they'll probably start with the super high-end one and not release the base model for quite a while but they said it's not even going to start i mean they're still finishing even getting permission to build their factory in arizona and then end of 2019 is when it's probably going to actually go into production so aren't they going to run into the same sort of issues that tesla did with the model s2 where they can't get the top tier suppliers to supply them for because they're new and they're low volume yeah like how are they going to do a luxury vehicle with sort of second tier components i don't I don't know, but they, you didn't I, ask the marketing people no, there these I did, questions. I didn't go that deep, but I did speak to the person who did the interior design and the, the finishes and materials are from traditional auto uh, suppliers, but they just chose the higher end materials. Um, hmm. So like the felt they use and the Alcantara and the leathers um, and some of the wood, they are using a similar open pour wood like Tesla is talking about. And I asked them about that a bit and they said, yeah, the open pour is really just having less lacquer and uh, automotive grade coverings on them. Um, so they're just sort of more like regular wood you'd find in a home finishing or furnishing. Um, <laughs> get the, you can get the pergo flooring in your Well, in it's car. real wood, apparently. It's just <laughs> that it doesn't have the crazy inch of lacquer on top of it um, uh, that okay. keeps it super protective. Because the problem is it, without that much, it's harder to get the UV protection they want. And anyways, it was very, very nice in person, um, looked great. And of all the new EV companies, I think they are certainly the most serious. And everyone who sat in the car seemed to be really impressed. And um, How did it look like size-wise? Did it look like really big or did it seem more mo- like a Model S or bigger? Uh, it, w- it looked probably about the size of a Model S. It, but the interesting thing is the hood is a lot shorter and the rear deck uh, for the trunk is a lot shorter. So there's just a lot more 
interior compartment. So the windows uh, are wide and it's kind of low slung. It it's lo- almost like it looks that Mercedes, that autonomous Mercedes that was driving yeah, around exactly. uh, San Francisco. It just sort of hips up really quickly and then you're in the passenger compartment. So it makes it look big because and also the width, like there's not much side fenders. It just kind of drops off really straight. So it looks kind of flat and boxy, but mm-hmm. the actual dimensions of it are the size of like an E-class. So a, like a full size sedan. Um, but yeah, it looks great. Um, so highly, if it's, if anyone, if it's going anywhere else, people, you should definitely go take a look at it. And, um, the rear, the rear leg room was insane. I mean, I probably had eight inches between my knees and the front of, of the seat in front of me. And that seat was far, was, was pretty far back. So like the craziest leg room of any car I've been in ever, I think. Did it seem like it was set up for, because uh, so, now that I'm thinking about the, uh, the, I mentioned the autonomous Mercedes, which was the one that had like the suicide doors and the, the seats facing each other right. and sort of like a rolling conference room sort of thing. Did it seem like the interior was strictly standard car based, everyone's facing forward, or did it look like they were thinking about like doing something like that, where you might have rotating captain chairs in the front or something, and you could spin around and face the passengers? No, nothing like that. The main thing is like the center console is so thick and large. There was no way those seats were, those seats were going to turn around. Um, okay. and yeah, I, I think they're, I mean, they, they reaffirmed to me at least that they were still going with mobile eye um, for their autonomous features and, uh, it's set up to do, uh, have LIDAR in it and they're not decided yet on solid state or spinning LIDAR depending on, um, what's available. So they haven't locked that down yet. Yeah. Well, they don't even have a factory yet. So right. they've got some time. Yeah. So anyways, uh, right. that was cool. Did you, did you see anything else cool while you were down there? Uh, that was, that was the coolest of the, I mean, there were some really, really nice. Oh, oh no, sorry. The coolest car I saw, we were driving in and the Batmobile from the 1980s Batman drove by and the little boy inside me was so excited. (laughs) It was incredible and it was super loud too. So, you know, the one with sort of the really big front fenders and the circular pointy nose cone, uh, it was very cool. The the TV show one or the Tim Burton one? No, the Tim Burton one. Uh, okay, like the black one, the with black the fins one, yeah, and the the, black kind fins. of the turbine, in, yeah, in the, the front. front, yeah, exactly that one. Okay, so seeing that driving on public streets was a big jarring feeling. Uh, and That's then, pretty cool. yeah, then we saw some really crazy Ferraris and Mercedes, uh, Gullwing ones, and they had a more, more than you usually see in Monterey. Yeah, much more. <laughs> oh, there were so many Bentleys too, crazy amounts of Bentleys. Um, and then uh, the the other really nice one, which was a little more pedestrian but still amazing, was the. A 1970 280SL that was perfectly restored by Mercedes. So it was uh, just really perfect green and it was just really nice. It was kind of like, oh, that's a neat two-door car. Anyways. <laughs> Dude, I always feel like whenever I see classic cars like that, I just feel like I'm, I'm worried about the crash rating of them. That, that's the oh, thing. Oh, yeah. That, you, they all a, look so flimsy. Cr- crumpled up. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine like being in a Carmen Gia or a, or like a, even like a BMW 2002 or something and having getting hit by like an Escalade or, yeah. or some, someone texting in their avalanche and just, yeah, that seems terrible. Oh, the other one I did see, I sat in the front seat, was the new Cadillac CT6, which is the new high-end Cadillac that's going to have su- Super Cruise. So oh. I saw the Super Cruise camera and I saw the little light bar that's on the steering wheel, um, but it wasn't active. I mean, it was just sort what, of Was the around. steering wheel as awful in person as it looks in the pictures? It didn't look as bad when it's not illuminated, but hmm. uh, I'm not sure how it looks when it's illuminated. So I definitely want to get our hands on that because it when, yeah, when did it comes you get to an showrooms, ETA on on when we can get a drive? They said it was coming to showrooms in the fall. So okay, 
anyways, we'll have to go test that, but I do want to try Super Cruise. Okay. One All of right. the other items on the store are cables. You can also oh, buy we're these. We're back to the Model 3 cable. We're back to Model 3. So, okay. so these, they have the lightning cable, USB-C and micro USB. So these are for blind, it's called, they call it blind holstering your phone into the front console. So if you've got your phone, one challenge of a lot of cars is like, where do you put your phone? Which is crazy. The cars are still coming out without a spot to put your phone. But the Model 3 has a front area of the console right underneath the screen that you can put your phone and not only that they have little uh docks essentially for two phones to go side by side and sort of be flat at maybe a 15 or 20 degree angle and so they're selling cables to accommodate different style phone connectors for you know blackberries to iphones to androids (laughs) blackberries i mean (laughs) usb-c micro usb um Okay, so it's got it. Basically, it's a two phone dock that that is yes. in the console. And does it have any? Does that give you any integration into the Tesla system, or is yeah. it just for for power? It, no, it, it, it's as if you plugged it in. So it it can also pull in the uh, music and contacts and connect. Oh, is it going to have that great feature? Whenever you plug in your phone, it starts playing alphabetically the first A-A-A, song in your probably. <laughs> awesome. That's my, my favorite car feature. Yeah. And then I think there's another USB in the armrest for, um, if you want to put a media stick in there too, but, um, well, and then there's the two that we saw in the back as well. Those right. weird. I'm not sure those are going to be connected to the sound system though. I think those will just be powered. Yeah. Oh, you could have like a party DJ system. Anyone can plug in and start playing. But anyways, these are 14 bucks, not that expensive. So also you could buy these lightning cables and apparently people with model S's can also buy the lightning one uh, or the micros or the USB-C because sometimes those aren't available yet for the model S. So there's some accessories. There should be some more, but anyways, if you want to get on the, uh, all the goodies for your model three, you can get the indoor, the outdoor cover, the cables, (laughs) or just get the outdoor cover. No. And, and the, the sunshade and, and really start your, uh, start your prepping. Um, one of the next things I wanted to talk about was the uh, white seats, the ultra white seats. Your white whale. My white whale. Uh, we finally started seeing them in the Model 3, uh, and we believe they are sort of testing them because it's not on a, a release. It's on sort of a release candidate or dealer plate car. It's been seen on this white Model 3 that has white interior. Some new photos even came out just uh, as we're recording of it charging at the supercharger at Fremont. It almost looks like you are sitting in that car. It does look like I'm in it, but it's not me. It's not me. It seems like of all of the possible variations, like the color of the interior is the one that's most likely to be able to ship on the first day, right? Because there's no change to the vehicle at all. You're just changing the, the seats that you're putting in. Right, and like, they, it's not like adding a second motor or a different battery configuration. It's there's nothing different about the car. It's the exact same thing, just in a different color. It's like the paint on the outside, right? Like these are the options that you would think they could do on the first day if they wanted to. Yeah, it seems like of of the set of changes you're going to make as options, this is going to be pretty high on the list of uh, impact versus complexity. Um, right, and so yeah, we've seen. What they've said on their FAQ site is for fall 2017, the white interior option and the standard configuration will be available. And then they say September, sorry, and then they say November, the standard battery. So if they're saying fall 2017 and then they bucket the next option in November, that tells me fall has to be like, why would they put that before November? So September, October. And that is around when we expect they're going to invite the non-employee customers so i do think this is there's a very high probability this will be available when they actually start inviting 
non-employees to start their configuration. Um, but yeah, like you said, they already use this material in all the other vehicles. Um, it even looks like the headliner is going to be the exact same color as the as the dark interior, where it's sort of this um, that creamy, uh, taupey color. Yeah, it's kind of a warm gray almost. Yeah, like a, a warm gray or a, uh, I don't know, like a, a foggy color. Um, and that's very different <laughs> it's, it's than the San SNX. Francisco August color. <laughs> yeah, where the the SNX have a black headliner for their for their white interior. So I just hope it has black carpets, um, just like the uh, the current Model Three. So if it has black carpets, which are the same. So no change there. And then it has the same headliner. Then it's really the seats and then the dash instead of the wood, the open pour wood. It looks like it's using the very similar sort of white, some sort of white plastic material um, for the white uh, strip. And then the, the side panels instead of the Alcantara, it looks like it's going to be the white uh, material as well or white or white ultra suede. Yeah. The white strip seems kind of weird. That seems like a place where that's going to catch the sun and really be bright in your eyes as you're driving around. That's a, kind of a weird place to have a very reflective surface. Yeah, it, it's very similar to what they had in the Alpha prototype. So when I saw that prototype, I was like, I really want that interior. So I'm I'm happy from the pure aesthetics point of view that it's held true to pretty closely to what they showed off, since that's what I wanted. Um, but yeah any light interior options that are reflective like a plastic is not not like a fabric that's really gonna absorb much light so i'm curious what the i guess it's really going to come down to what the angles of that are but as we've seen chrome on the outside can be far worse uh, for yeah. visibility so hopefully it's it's not an issue with the mirrors being chromed uh that might be a bigger issue so I'm excited the white is coming and, uh, you can really see the, uh, I'm just looking at the, at the front of this car, the white one parked at the superchargers and you can really see the, uh, sonar warts on the front too. Those are really popping out more so than I've seen in the past. Yeah. So the lighter the car, the more you're going to see those because of the gaps around the holes. That's one reason I don't want the full white vehicle. Um, is that the, and then you can see the tow hook too, right? Is and the tow, tow hook, hook yes, the right it's there, more, yeah. more, uh, more obvious, but, um, I'm still, I'm still thinking I'm going to go with silver, so we'll see. All right. Anyway, so for folks who are excited about white, definitely looks like it's coming. Um, next up, Arrow Wheels, the, the <sighs> thing everyone loves to hate. Um, <laughs> so can you confirm, are these, is that an actual like alloy wheel or is that a hubcap on top of another wheel? So I would say I am now 95, 96% confident. Uh, that 1% is very interesting. Um, that these are covers. <laughs> for the uh, an alloy wheel below that you could just pop off the arrow cover and be left with a sort of spoky wheel that um you could just run with that and it also now makes more sense why during the release candidate process we saw some photos of this uh, alloy wheel so we saw those three wheels we saw this like uh arrow one uh a smaller wheel that sort of was a spoky style and then the uh, sport like turbine style. And then that spoky one kind of went away. And so that was curious why that happened. And then the aero wheels had this sort of silver lip around them. And yeah. then a little while later, they didn't have the silver lip and they were dark gray. And now it looks like the wheels themselves are actually dark gray. And so that it sort of blends in with the dark cover more um, because we now have photos of uh, someone without those covers on. And it looks very, very likely that those are just um, arrow covers. So, yeah, um, they look kind of actually like the original Roadster wheels, don't they? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they also right. remind me of some of the BMW kind of spoky wheels. Um, mm. They they look a little bit, yeah, like I don't know, like rally or sport in some way. Um, kind of looks like a person, thin. a person bending over. It's like two legs and a butt, and, and there. Oh head. yeah, there you go. A bunch of them. Five. <laughs> the twerking of them. wheel. Um, I, they're not my favorite wheel. Um, and uh, so in terms of aero improvements, so. The Model S did have uh, aero wheels for a little while, and Tesla shared some stats on that, and they said it had about a five percent improvement in range. So really? on the yeah, that seems high. On the t- especially at cruising, uh, like highway speeds, and so they mm. said um, so they're designed to reduce wind resistance, uh, disc-like in shape. They and they what they do is they channel the air along the side of the vehicle and can add five percent range during highway driving. They should have um, some then, snap-on covers for the back wheels like the Honda Insight used to do. You just totally just, cover, yeah. yeah. Like the Honda Insight covers the, the entire wheel well. Um, and they said that uh, one, of the other, one of the other things was that um, they, they were so unpopular, though, that only 5% of people chose to get the aero wheels, and so they discontinued <laughs> them. So I'm, I'm a little bit confused because they already knew that people didn't like aero wheels before on the Model S, and now they're introducing them, which scares me a little bit because it makes me think they're using this as a, um, not a cheat, but like a, a hack to get the 220 miles of range because <laughs> if you reduce that, it goes down to like 210 if you were to remove the wheels. Like it, if you take those covers off and you're doing a lot of highway driving, it could drop your range 10, 10 or 15 miles. So, Right, this is like that when you see a, an ad for a car dealer and there's like, you know, they say starting at, ten thousand dollars and there happened to be one on the lot that was at ten thousand dollars and then all the other ones were 20 because i don't yeah because i just don't think any i don't i mean god bless the designers who made them like you know good work but i i don't think anyone could look at them and be like those are incredibly well designed i mean they have different materials and like so they're just not attractive (laughs) is it the um when the model s had them were they two piece where it was like a hubcap and then a spoke no. wheel underneath? No, so maybe they were separate. I mean, I could see, I mean, I remember living in, in Seattle, we had to like, there would be times where you couldn't actually drive on the highway unless you had chains in your car because they would close down the pass and you couldn't get through because of weather. So these, I could almost imagine this being something like if they're just sitting in your trunk or your frunk and you're going on a long trip, you could just pop them on and get the extra range for when you're doing a long road trip and pop them off if, if they're not permanent that that might be kind of a more doable thing yeah i what's interesting to me is a they haven't talked about it yet there's no photos official photos of the arrow wheels at all like none of the press photos show these wheels at all which makes me a little bit like well they they're not that proud of them <laughs> they're um, ugly why would they show them <laughs> right um and then the the other thing is yeah what are they going to quote as the range like do the arrow wheels are those included in that base range of 220 or did they test them without them? Like what does the EPA rating actually do? And then, then even more importantly, what happens if you have the one inch larger wheels, the sport wheels on the base model? Uh, if you upgrade for those, your range is going to be even worse <laughs> because you've got bigger wheels with more uh, rolling resistance and you also have uh, more wind resistance. So my, uh, my dreams of having a, greater than 200 mile car might be kind of dash if i get the bigger wheels uh, it might just be get i might bolt. be under 200 uh, yeah i'm not going to do that but <laughs> the, for the charging reasons and the autopilot reasons and the yeah um <laughs> anyways the biggest thing you can do is just drive slower uh because the uh 
if, if the, the, the aerodynamic impact uh, is the square of your, uh, of your speed. So, or, I mean, if you can set up autopilot, you can just set it to a really close follow range and get right behind a truck and just draft them, draft a, uh, a, t- a tractor trailer or something. Then you just have to worry about the uh, chips in your windshield from all the crap they're picking up. Um, do they have so a those, uh, do they have a LeBra for the for the front of the Model Three yet? What company makes those beautiful things? <laughs> not officially, not officially. Um, so actually, talking about uh, range, one of the things that also came out is the official uh, EPA testing for the long range model uh, because they're selling it. They had to get EPA approval. Um, and so part of that is testing and submission by Tesla of what is in the vehicle. And because they had just been talking about long range and standard, lots of people are super curious about what the battery size was, the capacity. Um, and so the, the EPA test showed a 300 volt system at 230 amp hours, which when you multiply those together, get you 80,500 watt hours, which is 80.5 kilowatt hours. But then there's a manufacturer note. So people are like, oh, it's 80 kilowatt hours. That's huge. Um, but then there's a manufacturer comment saying the capacity is 78. And then t- Elon on an earning on the uh, an investor call recently said it's about 75. So it looks like there's some padding for their um, protection for the battery. So you don't brick it. Um, but yeah, it, it looked like it's going to be about 75. But then Tesla responded to a few folks who were quoting this in the press and said these numbers were for the epa's tests and our calculations don't re- and and the calculations don't represent pack capacity so those are those are conflicting statements how is this an epa test and it's not accurate i don't so <laughs> sure. one thing i don't get about all of this secrecy is that the i mean i can see where maybe tesla doesn't want to put numbers up because as soon as you put numbers up people are going to start comparing numbers and especially if the numbers are similar to the numbers in the model three i mean in the model s it might they people might start comparing and say like you know this my car has a v6 and this car has a v6 there might be the same that that maybe there might be something there but i don't know i feel like all of this secrecy around they clearly know what the size of the battery pack is right there's a certain amount of space it's already been designed they've got the cells yeah I don't understand why they don't just say this is what it is. And, you know, and, you know, everyone knows that when you have a battery pack, there's obviously going to be a different size car. There's going to be different wheels. There's going to be different motors, different like control systems, and it's going to yield a different range. But I don't understand the, it's almost like you're, you're keeping secret the octane of the gasoline that's going in your car. It doesn't really make any sense. Well, I actually disagree because I think a lot, I think a lot of people share your point of view that like, why don't you just talk about the battery? It's, it's a thing people are going to care about. So you should, you should mention it. Um, but my contention is that the more you talk, if they talk about the battery, they hurt themselves in two ways. One, it's going to be smaller than the model S or X for the comparable amount of range or distance. So it makes you think, okay, how the 70 a 75 model 3 has more range than a 75 s or even more than an 85 or 90 s what's going on how can a smaller battery have more range so now you've got the dissonance of in your own product line of this this number not actually equaling range anymore but and then separately car you don't think that, that that factors in or is it just too complicated I think it's too complicated because the other factor is it penalizes Tesla for being more efficient overall. So 
if the Bolt has 60 kilowatt hour battery pack and the Tesla has a 55, but the Tesla has more range, then they each can say they have the most of something and be true, but not actually accurate. Uh, and then as other manufacturers come out and have bigger battery packs, for instance, if they've got worse aerodynamics or less efficient motors, then it puts Tesla in this spot where they've got a lower battery pack size, but they're actually providing more value to the customer by more range, for instance. And I think that's a losing battle because as they make the car lighter weight and more efficient, then they get more range, but the battery can be smaller. So I think that's a problem. Like the thing they actually want to optimize for is total range, not total battery size. And mm. it's dumb to get hit over the head for battery size if your competitors are just going to do a loss leader anyways. And then the last piece is I think that they want to not have to have the battery pack because then they could reduce the battery pack size over time as their, as their manufacturing and the density gets more efficient. Because if they reduce the battery pack weight over time, then they can put in less battery capacity and have the same range. One way they can improve the margin is just to continually reduce the weight of the of the cells, and then they can put in less smaller and smaller battery. But it'd be weird if the battery pack gets smaller and smaller over time. They're like, oh, now we're introducing the 50 and then the 45 (laughs) and the 35. It's like, oh, wait, this seems super weird where they can just keep it fixed. Yeah, similar to what they were doing when they had the 75 watt that they were actually, or kilowatt that they were selling as a 60, and then you could do an upgrade later. It's like, it seems like maybe this is just sort of a, a mulligan where they wish they hadn't actually gotten into battery pack sizing in the first place. I think so. I think they, and I think what they're going to do is they're going to do long range model S and standard, and they're going to do long range X and standard. And then they just won't have that at all because then they won't have any of this dissonance between lines. It'll just be, well, how, how much range do you need? Do you need a lot of range or is our standard good enough for you? And, and then you don't even need to worry about it because you really, who cares? Like you care about the, the, the range. And when people are like, well, they, people want to compare it to the, the Nissan Leaf or these other cars. Like that doesn't, that doesn't matter. What matters is the EPA range or your your actual range and people saying, Oh, it has a bigger battery. Well, that doesn't mean it goes farther. Um, so you actually need to test it. You could imagine some sort of innovation in Tesla motors, right? And well, I mean, the name of the company is Tesla motors, but like the actual, like AC, the, the motor component. Uh, and if they have some sort of breakthrough and all of a sudden their cars get twice as much efficiency as like say a Nissan leaf, then the size of the battery pack would be you know, completely apples to oranges at that point where uh, 50 kilowatt hours in a leaf means something totally different than 50 kilowatt hours in model three. Yeah. And as they just lightweight the vehicle overall, I mean, that's the other big thing they've done is that the car is almost a thousand pounds lighter than the model S, um, for a battery pack. That's probably about the same size as the 75. So they got rid of a thousand pounds elsewhere, not the battery. So I mean, some of it's in the battery, but... Well, they probably uh, cut probably cut 10 feet off of the length of the vehicle, I would well, imagine. But, I mean, that's a huge <laughs> amount of weight um, that that same battery pack obviously is going to go farther uh, yeah, yeah. In, in the smaller vehicle. So it's not fair to compare to... I, they're just not comparable numbers across manufacturers. So I just don't think they should use it. And I'm glad they're not using it. And I don't really care, except for it's interesting. It's an interesting detail. Just like people like to know what kind of... Uh, speed memory apple's using but it's not something they talk about publicly so you think this is this is the harbinger of things to come yeah absolutely i think they're going to get All rid right. of it on the model s and x when they do the refresh 
And right, speaking we'll make, we'll about make a note of that, yeah, <laughs> mark it down. Uh, speaking of the motor motors, one of the other things that was in there was a pretty big shift of changing the motor technology from AC induction to uh, to brushless uh, permanent magnet. And this is the one that fascinates to, me the most. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about this uh, in one of our episodes about the AC induction motor and the benefits of it. And we were focused more on the gross benefits of an electric motor versus a um, internal combustion and then also just how electric motors work. And so the difference here is much more subtle, but the outcomes are, are pretty pronounced in the sphere of electric motors. So the primary difference is um, the rotor instead of being magnetized with electricity from the battery pack, is now magnetized due to magnets that are fixed to the rotor. And so the magnetic field that is uh, uh, being pulled, or the, the magnetic field in the, uh, in the stator around the side is the same, exactly the same design, but the interior piece is not being magnetized through electricity, it's being magnetized by, by magnets. Um, and what this yields is really intriguing. And this technology has been around a while as well, not quite as long um, as the AC induction motor, um, but still quite a while because you needed inverters. But yeah, the, and like the, most of the little electric motors you have in things like a hairdryer or, um, you know, a power drill or something, almost all of those small battery mo powered motors are going to be permanent magnet motors. Yeah, many of them will be have brushes. Um, which causes them to wear out, but um, the more industrial ones will be these brushless ones. Um, and so some of the some of the differences are that um, the, so the co the costs are higher um, because the magnets are more expensive. Um, some of them can be like fifty to seventy five dollars per kilogram, so higher cost than the raw materials of the aluminum or copper um, for the, the the rotor, but lots of lots of benefits um so some of them are that it can be a lot smaller because the magnetic field will be a lot stronger so the actual size of the motor is smaller which causes it to be lighter weight um it is it generates less heat because you don't have current running through the rotor so cooling it is easier um and then the other thing is that it's more efficient through its peak power um and so you could you could be like uh, many, many percentage points higher efficiency, um, which obviously for a Model 3 would be pretty good. So at higher speeds, like highway speeds, it's going to be more efficient. And then also uh, it generates even more torque, torque at the low end by default. Um, so there's a lot of good reasons for them to have switched to this, except for the initial higher cost. But well, by buying in bulk... Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't even say cost, too. That, that kind of weirds me out about it, which seems like I would imagine because the so the, the motors that they were making themselves, the AC induction motors, they're constructing all of it. They have full control over the supply chain. I mean, other than like, you know, sourcing the copper or whatever yeah. it is that they're using. Uh, but the the all of a sudden now they're going they're scaling up to like, you know, 10 100x the the number of motors they're going to produce and they've switched out a readily available component that they're making themselves for these rare earth magnets that they have to go and compete on the global market with every other company that's trying to buy this material so it's 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 more subject to shortages it's you know it's a mined material that you have to buy from 
you know, elsewhere. I think a lot of it comes from central China, I believe, like Mongolia or something. Or yeah, there's maybe. a bunch of different, depending on the magnet, yeah. But yeah, the they are more rare. Um, it seems like a choke point, and it's, it seems really weird to go... It seems like if, if, you know, if you were just kind of like planning this out abstractly, you would say, oh, well, let's go with this like more well-known process of like using a permanent magnet motor for the lower volume, high, high performance vehicles. And then as we go to the sort of, you know, scale it out to the model for everyone, we'll, we'll kind of try and narrow that down to something we have more control over the manufacturer of like that. It seems weird to go in the opposite direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think one, one thing though, is that almost every, I think every hybrid motor in all the hybrid cars are permanent magnet motors. The Chevy Bolt uses permanent magnet motor. Uh, the, the leaf uses it. Um, and so there are millions of hybrids being made globally that use permanent magnet motors. And then almost every industrial motor uses permanent magnet motors. Uh, and so I'm, even though they're going to be doing hundreds of thousands of these and eventually millions, it may not even be, it, it may be a very large percentage of the total of the magnets used for these motors, but it doesn't look like it's going to be like 10x the world capacity for this mm -hmm. so i'm not um from what i could tell it doesn't look like it's as rare as the rare earth is the the thing is it's the rareness is competing with iron which is quite abundant because the opposite would be a ferrite core magnet which is like two to three x less uh, magnetized density um less Teslas, apparently it's called. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, what it's competing with is something that is crazy abundant iron. And so the rarity of it is not as, as difficult. Um, but it will be interesting to see when they talk about this, because they're also going to use this for the semi, they said. So this motor is going to be really intriguing. And the other, so why wouldn't they have used this for the other Teslas in the earlier days? One big reason also is that it's super for super high performance and super high speed. Um, you the induction motors make more sense. So for the for like the performance models, it'll be interesting to see if they just beef up the 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 permanent magnet motors or if they go back to induction, and also if they switch over the SNX to uh, permanent magnet. But uh, it it'll be it'll be intriguing because even even at lower uh rpms it's higher efficiency um than a induction motor so this also will be contributing to the higher why it's getting such good range relative to the small battery and we all know that like the the primary cost driver in these cars is the battery and so everything they can do to reduce this the needed the required size of battery uh, even if for even for higher cost of a, of a particular component of the system, the overall system efficiency being higher can lead to the cost reduction of the total system. And I think that's where some of the people who are forecasting the Model 3 not being profitable uh, or not being possible to be profitable may have underestimated that it could deal with a lot smaller battery with these other efficiency gains that they may not have considered. So um, it, it's, it's, even, it's an even simpler system. <laughs> Uh, to have those magnets there. And then all, also one of the other reasons it's more efficient, just sort of a priori is like, you're not using electricity to create this other magnetic field. So right off the bat, it has a, like a physics first principle advantage there. And then there's some other advantages because you've got a completely matched field between the magnetic field of the rotor and then this, what the, the, the stator is being made with these, um, 
with the inverters and Tesla has already talked about how they are incredibly good at inverters and they think that's one of their secret sauces. And um, <laughs> yeah, so there's going to be really good inverter technology here too. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I, it, it'll be intriguing. One concern obviously is that this is a new motor technology for them and an entirely new motor. So uh, it's not as if they're just slapping the small model S ones and scaling it up. It's a whole new motor and it's also a whole new battery technology on the car so i'm a little bit i i will be surprised if there are not some motor issues at some point uh <laughs> with people saying their drivetrains need to be replaced right but who knows i mean maybe not but uh it's it's, it's totally a roll of the dice yeah it is um so all right so what else do we have going on so i wanted to talk about this key card and app um so Tesla updated their press kit with some new photos, so it's been more official how this works. And I think people have been confused about this, and I wanted to try and clear some things up about it because I'm very excited about this change. And And what's happening here is that Model 3 is not shipping with a key fob. It's not shipping with a key that you put into a keyhole. That's really, Tesla hasn't ever done that. But what they have been doing is shipping key fobs in the shape of your vehicle, which I find a little garish, but some people seem to really like, um, it's like a little matchbox size vehicle and that has the ability to open your car, open the frunk, open the trunk, um, and summon it. And they've also had an app and the app connects over the public internet to your car to, uh, also be able to open it and close it. But you need to have internet service and your car has needed to have internet service and you've got the latency of a round trip on the public internet. And with the Model 3, they are eliminating the key fob and introducing two new things. One is this card that is with NFC. And it is a little plastic card that's the size of a credit card. And you can use it to, you swipe it on the B pillar. So um, the right behind the, the uh, like behind, above and to the right of the handle and you place it near that B pillar and the door will open or unlock so you can open the door and then you so tap it. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, this is kind of like if you have a, a badge at your office, you like kind of put it up in the sensor and the door opens. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. It might be a little bit more ability to be further away, but because um, those sometimes are just RFID, which are like super, super passive. But anyways, yeah, very similar. You just sort of swipe it. You may not even have to touch the glass of the B pillar, so you don't have to worry about scratches. And uh, then you use the card. Do you have to worry in, about dings? <laughs> you might have to worry about dings if you Sorry, flop it. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, and then you uh, tap it in the cup holder area to allow the car to start. Um, and you have to keep the card there. So that is one way, but that's not the primary way. That is sort of a backup. The primary. So, so you've, that you're saying that there's a sensor in the cup holder as well. So you put yeah. the you you put it on you you swipe it by the sensor outside the car to unlock the door, and then once you get inside, you put it in uh, the cup holder, and there's a sensor somewhere in a, yes. a particular cup holder or all the cup holders or it's I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't seen a manual, so I don't know exactly. But in some videos where I've seen people trying to start it up the outside observer has to tell them, no, you got to put it in the cup holder. And then the chimes of the car turn on 
And so it's, I don't know what you do if you have two cups in there. Like if you yeah, have to wedge it in between. Yeah, that was my next question. <laughs> like, could you take it out once you're actually, yeah, I don't once know you've started if, the vehicle? I don't know if it's sort of a presence thing where then it has to stay close to it. Um, what happens if it gets jostled? Like, does the car stop? So this will be interesting to find out. But I think it, the point there is that it's sort of a double confirmation. Um, so not just like the door being unlocked, but you actually having the permission to sort of start it. Mm-hmm. And so this is really in the event that your phone dies or you need to give it to someone else, like a, a valet in the rare event that you're using a valet system. But that's going to be funny because the valets are going to have no clue what to do. There's some instructions on the back of the card, but it just tells you where to swipe. It doesn't, I don't think it tells you what to do with the center. Um, and then if you want to loan your car to someone, um, and then I, I would expect also for like Tesla, um, headquarters it'll be kind of interesting for them to get into your car if they need to um but the primary mechanism is is using a phone app and so the goal and we've talked about this and we predicted this was going to happen but just to go over this is using a new style low low energy bluetooth on the phones to communicate with the car in a much more ongoing way Um, and so it will be much quicker and it will passively unlock the car as you get close, just like if you had the key fob. So if you have your, your, um, they show a new screenshot of setting up your, uh, phone key, they're calling it. And so you'll set this up on the Tesla app and then this individual device will be as long as you have to keep Bluetooth on, but pretty much every OS now I think turns Bluetooth on after every reset even and restart um when you get close to your car it will unlock if that's the setting you have and then when you get in it will allow you to start the car because it knows you're there so that's the primary thing if you like having a key fob for the like getting close to the car and having it unlock that will happen the difference is uh that you won't be able to unlock the like pop the trunk necessarily by pushing the like a fob but that's not to say that it won't unlock the trunk or that you could set up a setting that if you get close to the rear it might open so i would still keep an open mind that they may have enough software to be able to open the trunk when you get close to it so um i think this is great see you on the backup cam too that too i mean uh someone asked elon on twitter about like could you use the b pillar camera to use facial recognition he said yes but we're not working on that right now um so I think this is great. Uh, I'm very excited for this because I don't want to have an extra key card or fob with me, like a, th- a thick thing in my pocket, especially not having like a bag with me at all times. I have my phone with me anytime I'd be driving the car anyways. And um, yeah, it just seems nicer and more modern and will open up opportunities for the Tesla network and sharing. And so I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Well, I mean, obviously, I have my caveats about the sharing network, but uh, any anything that reduces keys is is good for me. I I have a minimal wallet too, and so I, I try and keep everything as minimal as possible. And I hate having things in my pocket. So yeah, I mean, I this is how I would want to uh, use a vehicle. Um, I don't like having a fob. I don't like having to you know, spend whatever it is, like $200 or something every like five years to get a new fob because your battery died or. Right. Yeah. uh, There's no batteries involved in this system except for your phone. But yeah. And and now you're, and now you're going to have two keys with you. You can have like, my plan is I'll keep the key card in my wallet. Great. One more slot. I can dedicate that to this and then I'll have my phone. So I have two keys. I've now increased my probability of being able to get into the car 
and not losing something. The key card, I expect, will be waterproof um, because it's just a sealed piece of plastic. So in the event that I get dunked in the water or something, <laughs> I will still be able to get into the car. So That's super, an actual super, concern that you, you plan out for? Well, super edge case, but, you know, it's possible. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking, like, what, what would lead you to get locked out of your car? And some of the scenarios were if I'm in the woods camping or something and I run out of battery in my phone, that, that has definitely happened. Uh, what if you lost your wallet and phone? If you've lost your wallet and phone, then I think what you have to do is get a friend's phone or borrow a stranger's phone, download the Tesla app, sign in with your credentials, and then set it up. So I think there is a pathway to actually setting it up again. Um, because obviously you need to be able to share this with your spouse or partner and like your family being able to give them all access to the car if you wanted. So I think this is great. I think a lot of people are confused about the idea that it will just passively unlock when you get close. So I think I'm quite confident that's how it will behave. And again, by having a Bluetooth low energy connection to the car with a very large battery relative to a fob i mean the battery in your phone is hundreds of times potentially thousands of times larger than what's in a fob so your their ability to do more interesting things and have more precise signaling for like oh you're approaching from the from the driver's side uh okay you're the driver we're gonna put the profile in they, they have this in the fobs to try and do profiles but it apparently doesn't work that great and it's a tough problem right how do you know which fob is in the front seat driver versus passenger right. Um, but well, and then there's also that weird security thing too, that I was, man, I feel like last year or the year before I was reading about this thing where, because the fobs are just blasting out a radio signal, there was some thing where people were stealing cars by either impersonating the fob or doing some sort of man in the middle attack and amplifying the fob, uh, so that you could actually, yeah, that's what it was. I think you would have, if you had the fob that was like a, a near field thing or whatever it was, and you'd go in your, your house and it'd be out of distance. So your car would lock up, but people were using this like radio amplifier mm -hmm. to, to like amplify the signal for coming from your car and your fob would pick it up and it would essentially unlock your car and people would wake up in the morning, go down to their spot and the car was gone. Yeah. So do you remember reading? Yeah. About yeah that? I remember. Yeah. The, so the, the Bluetooth low energy, obviously there's, there can be more encryption uh than a traditional right. car fob because well yeah and you do like a pairing kind of thing and you probably wouldn't be victimized by that yeah i think i think bluetooth has yeah. an encryption thing i mean certainly apple apple watch uses bluetooth low energy to talk to your phone as well as wi-fi but bluetooth low energy and they're willing to set up apple pay uh which is quite uh, high necessity for security and then i think android has this as well so um i think right. the security profiles for this are better than just the basic spec that's being used for key fobs which in the 80s didn't even have any encryption um really easy <laughs> to just i mean you could unlock other people's cars if you just relayed it um and people are like well what happens if i leave my phone in the car will it lock me out no your phone is in the car still why would it lock like it it, it would stay unlocked because the phone is in the car so don't leave your what phone if the in the phone car. was in the car what if you left your phone in the car and then the battery died while it was in the car? Would the car lock? That's, that's, that's one I don't know. I don't know what happens if it were to lose. I bet if it loses connection, it would lock. But then you've got your key fob. Yeah. So I think you just need to, sorry, not the fob, the card. What if you're one of those people that has the wallet phone case? So your, your fob will actually be with your phone. Well, yeah, the other one people were saying, the other one people were saying was like, what happens if you've got one of those NFC things so people don't skim your 
you know, your chip cards. Mm. Um, you'll have to take it out of your, your, your protection wallet. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of these things, you just have to say there are going to be edge cases and there were edge cases in the previous right. setup. If you forget your, hopefully there'll be fewer. If you forget your key fob, you can't get in your car. Like it, right. if your key fob battery dies, you can't use your key fob if it doesn't have a keyhole. So I just don't think this is actually going to be a problem. And if anything, there's the added benefit of you can just create more fobs essentially by installing the app on more phones and pairing it to your car. Um, Cause my girlfriend's phone dies a lot, but like, as long as she keeps the key card with her, then it'll be fine. Kev, you know what the best way they could do to, to ease all of this is to just start shipping the cars. Yeah. I think this is definitely one of those things where a lack of information is creating a opportunity for lots of speculation and increased uh, anxiety and it will go away. Um, but I do think it's interesting. They added these new press shots. Um, like afterwards and it's clearly the same set of um like the interior shots of it sitting on the cup holder are the same shot so i think it was just photoshopped in but curious they <laughs> didn't do it any blog posts they just added these photos to their press kit kind of quietly and people noticed so i'm excited for checking this. that yes um speaking of press kit photos something that was discovered was and we'll end on this for tonight but the autopilot 2.5 and a new interior camera that is pointed at the passengers so first we'll start with the camera because i feel kind of silly we missed this um so we were in the car and i went back and looked at our video and we captured it very blurly but there was so much going on that this did not catch yeah. our eye in this uh <laughs> rear view mirror this black little camera but essentially in the rear view mirror in the black housing is a small camera that's pointing out. And if you look in the press shot, uh, we tweeted out a photo a while ago, but you can see in the press shots that they released on the day of the event, that, that camera is in those photos. And uh, Tesla confirmed to Electrek when they were uh, reached out to them that the Model 3 is equipped with the camera, but it's not currently active. It will only become active after future software updates, which Tesla did not want to elaborate on. All right, so this is a for more advanced autopilot to like monitor the passengers and awareness or something or So we don't know exactly what it's for, but we also so that news came out. And then uh the on the forums uh there is a there's a guy named Very Green who is someone who hacked the system to reveal like lots of the debugging info for autopilot. He has some good sources inside Tesla and has the ability to break down uh, a lot of the builds ahead of time. And one of the things he started noticing was these references to hardware 2.5 and the firmware going through checks when it was starting up to check if the car was a Model 3 and also if it was running hardware 2.5 hardware for autopilot before it initiated. And he saw it making some references to a new node, uh, like a new CPU or GPU node. And then uh, this all sort of made it up to the level of uh, electric starting to poke around. And they reached out to Tesla and they got confirmation from Tesla. And what they heard back was um, that the internal name hardware 2.5 is an overstatement. And instead, it should be called something more like hardware 2.1. This hardware set has some added computing and wiring redundancy, which very slightly improves reliability, but it does not have an additional Pascal GPU. 
Um, and then they went on later to say, however, we still expect to achieve full self-driving capability with safety more than twice as good as the average human driver without making any hardware changes to hardware 2.0. If this does not turn out to be the case, which we think is highly unlikely, we will upgrade customers to the 2.5 computer at no cost. Reactions? I wonder if they will make that available as an upgrade for people who want to pay to get the more advanced uh, version. Or- yeah, I think they will. It's called buying a brand new vehicle. <laughs> so I think these, are, these two things are related. Um, so I think one, the internal camera, I think will potentially be used for autopilot, like you were mentioning, for uh, more improved sensing of you being in your seat and looking forward so super cruise which we haven't covered yet on the show but it uses an infrared camera in front of the driver to detect their gaze so it actually tracks to make sure you're watching the the um the the road ahead and what this allows them to do is instead of like tesla does to keep torque on the wheel every few minutes uh, Super Cruise allows you to keep your hands in your lap, so it's actually hands-off. And the way they make sure you're paying attention is instead of hands on the wheel, they look at where you're looking. And if you look away from the road for too long, then they make you put your hands on the wheel. Can you so I think that's a, put on like a pair of glasses or like a sleeping mask that has eyes on the front of it? I don't know how well you can trick it yet. Um, hmm. it has, it's not publicly available, but I'm sure people will try. Um, and so I think this camera is probably very wide-angle. And I think uh, they may do some gaze tracking. And then the further flung ideas are for the Tesla network, uh, where this would be used to monitor what's happening inside the vehicle and make sure that the people who are in the car are doing what they're supposed to do. And in the event they damage the vehicle, they know who it was. And I think they'll just be recording it and having a, knowing someone's watching you in a car that isn't yours may help improve behavior so i think obviously this is going to need a new some more wiring to get that camera uh to the main board and potentially was unexpected uh overhead for processing this video and if they are actually like streaming this video or recording this video live then they may want that extra computing and it doesn't look like this camera is yet on the s or x and so that may be sort of this couch of why they're saying it has added computing and wiring redundancy, um, but it doesn't affect the um, performance. But, okay, even if the, <laughs> it has more computing power, hardware 2.5, more GPU, all that stuff, what the alternatives are they don't make any changes to autopilot hardware ever. And that doesn't seem like a viable option. No. At some point, they're going to make changes to the hardware as they can make it better. Well, yeah, I mean, the, com- the whole world of computing and chips around them is going to be evolving. That too. Yeah, I mean, NVIDIA is going to come out with better and better chips that use less power, that are more efficient, that are higher performance, that are higher uh, redundancy. Their own engineering team on the hardware side is going to be coming up with better and better and more capable systems. The sensor teams are going to be coming up with better cameras of higher bandwidth and more more resolution and then the software team uh, independent of that is trying to utilize the capabilities it doesn't seem as if the current usage of autopilot is would be maxing out the available compute power based on the fact that it really barely recreates hardware or autopilot one so the fact that 
autopilot software does not yet do self-driving and they're already improving the hardware doesn't seem to be in contradiction to me that the teams working on the hardware side are not the same engineers working on the software and improving the hardware does not reduce the possibility of making the software capable the same way that like a graphics program like uh, you you have to run on uh ie7 and you also get to run in chrome or safari and you get to use some special features of safari or chrome like webgl or web 3d or any of these special features that might not be available in other browsers but the baseline is still there so it could be that yes this is slightly more reliable and slightly uh has more headroom but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be able to perform the same functions uh it'll just be slightly more reliable like a computer like a mac that has ecc ram might have the exact same amount of physical ram but it's slightly more reliable than one that doesn't have ecc but it still can run the exact same programs it's just not as reliable and i think it's very possible that that's sort of the end of it it's just like well if you want to get to more than 2x as good as a driver human driver and i think that's sort of the telling thing like why did they say we expect the current hardware will get to as good as 2x elon's already said he thinks it's like it, it could eventually get to more than 10x and if you really want to reduce the deaths you have to get to more than 10x well we also so, need to know the distribution on the drive, that's the other driving thing. What's the average driving yeah. yeah like 2x might not be better than me right that's a little scary yeah. i've never gotten to an accident what's so. that bell curve look like I know. I'm really curious because if they just average across the entire U.S. across all vehicle types of all ages, that's not. I mean, if you include the teenagers and the, and the old people, yeah, like that's a that's a big skew. Um, <laughs> Is it median or average, and what's the distribution look like? These are all important questions. So at some point, this they need to go to way more than two x, and it may be that two x a human driver doesn't actually get you regulatory approval that's the other thing it it may be that just generally we need a higher there's a higher standard but you'll you know you could still do it you just have to be sitting in the seat ready to take over so i think we're still quite a ways away from tesla being able to let people not be in the front seat and so the generation of cars people are driving now the people who bought them are probably not going to be the people who own them at the time this comes around and it won't even be that big of a thing except they're going to be in a bit of hot water PR wise if they kind of back out of this claim because they've been pushing the claim that these will be full self driving. They're supposed uh, to do it by the end of the year, right? They're doing the cannonball, the cannonball run, right? What's going essentially, on? Essentially, yeah, the test. Um, I think I think navigating San Francisco for twenty minutes will be more would be more impressive <laughs> than than that. But um, you're making me sad. I I. I am not nervous about this. I am glad they're doing this. I want them to be improving autopilot continuously. And again, just reaffirms why I kind of want to lease a vehicle instead of buying it and feeling about keeping it for eight or 10 years. Like, <laughs> I'm very curious. I mean, what autopilot version will we be on in 10 years? Uh, yeah, that'll be quite interesting. Also, I'm really curious what's going to happen with the autopilot sensor suite and hardware in the, the semi, because that's going to have to be a fork. There's no way it's going to use the same sensors. I mean, that thing is huge. You can't, you can't put the same rear camera on that. It would look right at the truck bed. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb, you want to hear my, my, uh, my, my spoiler, my wild prediction for the Tesla Semi with, the, with all the talk of platooning and whatnot? What if the Tesla Semi is like a headless computer and it's just a tractor 
and the Tesla Semi is a, like a Model X or something that you drive, and all of the like little autonomous tractors follow someone in a lead car. Well, they have been talking about this platooning and trying to get permits for it. And right, so why do you need to actually have a different vehicle? Maybe you just have this like sled or something that that tows the trailer, and then someone in a lead vehicle like pulls them all along, like. I mean, the bi- yeah, I mean, the biggest contradiction to that would be the photo they revealed looked like a pretty classic semi yeah, uh, yeah. tractor. But I do think I do think it's possible that w- their first step will be someone driving the lead tractor and then having other ones follow close behind linked. And uh, yeah, so that they can, you know, do two or three trucks with only one actual driver. I think they should um, be putting more effort into, you know, aiming a little smaller and putting some autonomous smarts on all the little vehicles at the airport so we can get in and out of airports faster and lose less luggage. Like all the little, the luggage ones and the, the all the little tow, the little tow tugboat things that pull the, the planes in and out. Yeah. That'd know, be a good startup. Tesla avionics. It's like those, uh, the startup that's doing the uh, robots for food delivery. And then also the one doing them for uh, delivery inside hotels for yes. uh, your food and things. I think those, those actually have lots of promise. I literally really... walked by five, robotic sidewalk delivery vehicles today <laughs> i saw your instagram with your dog yeah my dog's getting used to them now he's he, well now he just kind of stops and watches them as they go by but yeah they're they're all over the place here we're 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 living in the future but not far enough in the future man we've been watching some tv shows with like you know space travel and stuff and i'm just kind of it's slowly dawning on me that we're just never in my lifetime gonna i'm not gonna be on a on a spaceship it's just not gonna happen and that's uh, a little bit sad. So, maybe. well, I hey, I saw I saw a Waymo uh, driving around today. So it was a brand new one in the the van and nice and sleek looking for for the Waymo one. So yeah, hey, that might that might come sooner. We'll see. Eh, thanks for trying to cheer me up. Um, well, <laughs> anyways, uh, we'll talk. Uh, anything any last clothing thoughts mike no no that's that's all i had um if 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 any of our dear listeners have thoughts or uh or want to let us know what they were drinking tonight or this morning or this afternoon i guess whenever you listen uh you can uh, reach us on twitter.com at the tesla show our website uh, has all of our back episodes and various photos from events and whatnot uh, at theteslashow.com. And we are also redditing on Reddit at r slash theteslashow. And if any of you are trying or will be buying a Model S or X anytime soon, uh, please use the referral code from uh, Anwar Beck and Russell over at the Tesla Geeks. They're friends of ours, and uh, they've been very kind to invite us to a lot of events. And it looks like we're going to be going to the semi-event at the end of september Ooh. so uh we'll get to see this sucker in person and maybe get a ride along <laughs> in a semi that would be quite fun and can that code be used for any of the indoor and outdoor covers as well or is that nope, only for just the vehicles vehicle? oh, okay. just vehicles yeah. all right all right well i'll talk to you later and uh, hopefully still be well enough next week i expect to be all right bye <laughs>